This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, August 13th, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. S-CHIP was a Republican-led plan meant to provide coverage to children whose families were too wealthy for Medicaid, but not wealthy enough for private insurance. The program has shortcomings, some of which mirror the problems in Medicaid. So says Michael Cannon, the Cato Institute's Director of Health Policy Studies. S-CHIP is slated to expire at the end of September. Should the federal government simply allow the program to lapse? It should. That would be probably politically infeasible. But look, this is a program that encourages the states to enroll more and more Americans into government health insurance programs, including a lot of Americans who don't need the assistance. It encourages uh, the enrollees not to uh, achieve self-sufficiency because, like other welfare programs, it creates a low-wage trap that discourages enrollees from increasing their incomes. Um, And it also does a lot to make private health insurance more unaffordable, including things like crowding out private health insurance. A lot of people just substitute government health insurance through S-CHIP and Medicaid for the private health insurance that they they would otherwise purchase. So really what Congress should be doing is just letting this program lapse. A lot of people would be concerned that those who are enrolled in S-CHIP right now would not be able to get the health insurance and the health care that they need. But, you know, we have an analog for this. When Congress restricted eligibility uh, for uh, Medicaid uh, among non-citizen immigrants, essentially cut them from the uh, Medicaid rolls. A lot of states created their own state-based program for those who are cut from the Medicaid rolls. But something very interesting happened. The states that created these new programs saw their uh, uninsured levels increase, but the states that did not create new programs uh, to cover those who are cut from the federal rolls saw the number of uninsured in their state fall. So I think Congress should uh, just let this program lapse. It probably won't, but there are other steps that it could take, such as converting S-CHIP and Medicaid into a block grant, which would be uh, probably more politically palatable than just letting the program lapse and uh, not nearly as damaging as continuing this the current program or expanding it. Block granting was sort of the hope uh, with regard to uh, S-CHIP's beginnings, wasn't it? It was. S-CHIP was created in 1997 by a Republican Congress and President Clinton. And the stated purpose of of S-CHIP was to provide health insurance to children and families that earn too much to be eligible for Medicaid, but not enough to afford private insurance on their own. Uh, That was the stated purpose that was a little disingenuous because at the time Medicaid was enacted, 60% of the children who were eligible already had private health insurance. So the eligibility criteria were too broad from the beginning. But uh, that wasn't just because that was the stated purpose doesn't mean that was the actual purpose. Uh, The Republican justification, I should say, for creating this new government program was that it would provide a model for reforming Medicaid, something that was more like a block grant where the federal government gives a, 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 a lump sum to each state. And then that st- the state spends that money on uh, health insurance as, as it sees fit. Uh, as it turns out, S-CHIP has become more like Medicaid than a block grant. In fact, a lot of states have just used their S-CHIP money to expand their Medicaid programs. Medicaid is believed to, because it is a federal match, uh, distorts other spending priorities within states. And S-CHIP certainly seems to have that potential. What are the, you said the S-CHIP sort of, turned into more like a Medicaid program than it turned into like a block grant program. What are some of the problems that they share? Medicaid and S-CHIP cover a lot of people who don't need uh, government assistance. And to understand why, you have to understand how the federal government 
pays for the program and the incentives that that creates for each in, each state that participates, and all states participate in both programs. Uh, the way it works is like this. If a state spends a dollar on Medicaid, the federal government matches that state contribution with at least another dollar from the federal treasury, which is another way of saying from taxpayers in other states. Uh, states like Mississippi, uh, because uh, Poor, they're poor. Poorer states can put a dollar toward their Medicaid program, and the federal government will match that with uh, as many as four other dollars from taxpayers in other states. Now, SCHIP works much the same way. Uh, if a state puts a dollar toward its SCHIP program, the federal government will give it another three dollars, perhaps. But the difference between the two programs is ostensibly that Medicaid is an open-ended entitlement for states uh, to tax dollars from taxpayers in other states, whereas SCHIP, with SCHIP, the federal government uh, presumably caps the amount that each state can take from the federal treasury. Uh, that turns out not to be the case in practice. States spend more than their federal allotment under SCHIP, and uh, they get uh, the federal government to come and uh, uh, give them additional money after they've already spent through uh, that initial amount. But the incentives that this creates for the states are you know, are obvious. If you spend a dollar on Medicaid, you get $2 of political benefit. Um, So that's an enormous incentive to expand the program, including to people who don't really need government assistance. And the same thing is true for SCHIP. But if you want to cut Medicaid or SCHIP, then what you're really asking is uh, for the state legislature to inflict $2 of political pain for only $1 of budget savings. And that's why states are very loath to, uh, are very interested in expanding these programs and, and very reluctant to, to cut them. Uh, but the program all, also, uh, SCHIP, like Medicaid, also creates a lot of perverse incentives for enrollees as well. As I mentioned earlier, these programs create a low-wage trap for enrollees, which means that because it's targeted at people with incomes below a certain threshold, if you increase your income beyond that threshold, you lose a very valuable benefit. So what that means is, combined with all the other government benefits uh, that are available for low-income families, there are a lot of families in this country who are enrolled in Medicaid and SCHIP, and if they increase their incomes, I'm sorry, if they increase their earnings, it has no effect on their incomes. Uh, And what I mean by that is, take, for example, a single mother of two in New Mexico. If she's making $15,000 a year, if she's earning that much, her actual income, net of government benefits, is about $40,000 a year. Now, suppose she has the opportunity to triple her income, to increase her income by $30,000. If she did that, she would lose about $4,000 to taxes. She would pay uh, uh, $4,000 more in taxes. Uh, but she would lose the remainder of that uh, additional $30,000, in other words, $26,000, uh, to lost government benefits. So even though she increased her earnings by $30,000, her income would remain the same at about $40,000. So she has absolutely no financial incentive to increase her earnings and pull herself out of dependence on government. Michael Cannon is the Cato Institute's Director of Health Policy Studies. He co-authored the book, Healthy Competition, What's Holding Back Healthcare and How to Free It. The book is available at our website, cato.org.